Teaching is our passion. We at the Wall Street Skinny are proud to announce that we've joined the advisory board for the iConnections Funds for Teachers initiative, focused on supporting the Ron Clark Academy and its pioneering teaching methods. Through Funds for Teachers, iConnections is dedicated to empowering educators nationwide by providing access to RCA's professional development opportunities. Events are being organized in major cities throughout the year to fundraise and support this incredibly important cause. All proceeds from these events will be directly donated to the Ron Clark Academy, specifically to financially aid teachers so they can participate in RCA's groundbreaking training programs. Please click on the link in our show notes to register for an event in the city nearest you. This is The Wall Street Skinny, a podcast devoted to exploring the financial services industry and making the world of Wall Street accessible to everyone. I'm Jen, and I've got Kristen here with me. Hey, guys. So today, as promised, we are going to tackle the question, and this is the number one question we've gotten, by the way, how do I interview for a job in finance? Okay. We've been asked this by our listeners, our followers on social media. And and from maybe the six of you who have actually emailed us. (laughs) I love those emails. But before we get into it, if you're not someone looking to interview for a job in finance, which we know a lot of you probably Mm -hmm. aren't, like don't. Right. Don't just hit skip, okay? Hopefully we'll share some insight here <laughs> that's pretty universally applicable. And and you might just learn something that applies right. to your career, whether that, you know, whatever that may be. Right. Also, if nothing else, um, I hope you guys will be entertained as always. You know, we're <laughs> gonna share some personal stories of how we got our jobs back in the day. Or I mean, and and how we didn't get the jobs, so maybe more <laughs> cautionary tales. That'll be mine. <gasps> right, right. I feel like ninety-nine percent of my stories from my Wall Street career are like perfect examples of what not to do uh, for the time I almost got fired for using a hairbrush on the desk. Um, (laughs) So we're going to get into the technical stuff. And we're also going to talk about how to figure out what is a good fit as well. But first, before we get into it, Kristen, how are you doing today? Are you uh, Mm -hmm. all recovered from last week? Yeah, thankfully. Yes, finally doing well. But uh, how about you, Jen? Have you recovered from your little uh, Peloton accident? I know you were had a little minor knee incident filming. Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay, listen, guys. I was like, if I'm doing this and I'm going to make a fool of myself on the internet, I'm going a thousand percent and making it as absolutely ridiculous as I can. And of course, I Mm -hmm. like completely destroyed my knee in the process. Uh, Well, do you remember when we were at Sunday River, I think in like sixth grade and we went down to the gym and we just like thought it was super cool. And so decided to hop on a treadmill and I fell off. Oh (laughs) my God. The family ski trip. That is uh, one of my favorite memories. Uh, You know, I never understood before that. Like what had age minimums. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) We definitely should have been messing around in there. But yeah, dude, creating an Instagram reel is seriously like an Olympic sport. Okay. And by the way, if you guys have no idea what we're talking about here, We uh, outdid ourselves uh, by lighting our dignity on fire and filming a ridiculous reel to highlight what we were talking about in episode six, which was the difference between real money and fast money. Oh, and by the way, Kristen, it is a miracle I'm still married after that reel because you should have heard the spirited debate that I had with my husband about when I was trying to Mm -hmm. nail down the critical differentiators between real money and fast money. He was like, well, you should explain pension funds or insurance Mm -hmm. companies. I was like, no, no, no. That's just a really confusing counterpoint to a hedge fund. (laughs) 
I'm trying to draw like a stark comparison here. He's like, oh, well, then you should talk about how real money is just bigger size. And I was like, you're just making it more confusing than it needs to be. Like, you guys can imagine this was quite the lively family dinner conversation. I mean, it's a hot ticket in town to hang out with the Starbucks. No, it's funny because I, it struck a nerve with my husband too. Because he works at a hedge, well, yes, he works at a hedge fund. So he was arguing that hedge funds are actually less risky because they're hedged versus real money. And I was like, I don't know about that. No, he he was like, they just get bad PR. Yeah. I I mean, I admire his attempt, but Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure I agree. Yeah. I guess his argument was that it depends on the fund, which is Mm -hmm. true. So there are some that generally speaking don't really use much leverage. But but the answer depends is true for like everything. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, but this does also bring me to one other conversation I had with a different family member. So my dad actually called me after the last episode. (laughs) I know. No, but he was like, look, this is great, but you guys talk really fast and you cover Mm. a lot. And so I explained to him, I was like, we don't expect anybody to learn everything about finance from listening to a podcast. So so many people have to see things visually to learn. And that's why we have the social media and our eventual YouTube. And Dude, we legit struggle with how to make things as clear as possible. I mean, okay, remember yesterday when I was making that video about First Mm -hmm. Republic and explaining what happened there? I seriously almost wrote out the text 3% 3% minus 0% equals 3%. And I felt like a no, crazy person. But, but Jen, no, so that's the thing. It does help. So for some people to process things mm. like that, it's actually just seeing it. It's like it hits differently in your brain. The purpose of this podcast, though, is really to help with the auditory component. <laughs> and you'll hear me say this a thousand times, so I apologize in advance. But it's it's like learning a new language. So if you want to learn something new, it helps to immerse yourself. So you could go live in Spain if you're trying to learn Spanish. And look, you're not going to understand 100% of what you hear. You're just trying to get the big picture and let some of the other terms like wash over you. And then slowly with time, they start to sink in. Yeah. And so, I mean, I told you guys the story about using flashcards right. to develop the intuition behind bond trading, yeah. right? Yeah. Building intuition about these concepts, it, it definitely takes time. Oh, it, it does. And I mean, I'm not even there. <laughs> Jen will explain some of the bond stuff to me. And it's, it's for me, it's not intuitive. And by the way, I know it academically, but right. the intuition you know the is equation. not there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so, not the application. Exactly. The, the point of this is just I want to give a little bit of reassurance if you have made it through all six of our first episodes and feel like your head is spinning you are not alone and everyone has questions and they're too afraid to ask them ask us all Mm -hmm. the questions yeah but so today (laughs) hopefully should be a bit of a mental breather for you and for us Yes. Because we're not going to explain any new concepts. We are just going to talk through the interview process because mm-hmm. I think above everything else, this is what we've far and away gotten the most questions about. Yeah. It's something we both have considerable experience with on, on both sides. Okay. Like A, <laughs> trying to land the job and B, interviewing incoming candidates. I did yeah. that so much when I was working at the bank. And Jen, actually, she heads up, I think, the Charlotte division of interviewing for her alma mater. So that's always exciting. But uh, look, the reality is anyone who has ever applied for any kind of job, you know that you should probably expect an interview to be part of the process. There are a specific set of skills that you Mm -hmm. need to be ready to demonstrate for an interview for a Wall Street job. And I spent the last 13 years running interview prep workshops and helping candidates prepare specifically Mm -hmm. for the technical part of it. But there's a bunch of general skills that apply universally. And there are going to be some more specialized tools that you'll need to have for interviewing in different roles in, say, IBD versus sales and trading. 
And those skills also differ a little if you're interviewing outside of a bank right. somewhere yeah. else in the financial yeah. services mm-hmm. industry, right? Private equity firms or asset managers and hedge yeah. funds, you know, or wealth management, right? These all vary slightly. We're going to start by focusing on the skills required for interviewing at a bank. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go through some variations on those themes. Yeah. Yeah. So Kristen, you know, you just touched on obviously your experience with this. So high level, how would you categorize the key differences between investment yeah. banking and sales and trading interviews? I feel like generally speaking, the investment banking interviews are going to be a little more schmoozy with the technical valuation, accounting, and some deal-related concepts thrown in there. Mm -hmm. While sales and trading, you're going to need to demonstrate an interest in the markets, an ability to think quickly on your feet. But like you said, while some of you might be more interested in one division or the other, you might not be sure which one you want to go into. And so maybe you interview for both. That's right. That's right. I mean, when I was applying for my summer internships and full-time positions, I applied pretty much equally for investment banking and sales and trading roles because Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to get my foot in the door. (laughs) I initially thought, I think I talked about this, that I would lean towards the investment banking division. But after going through the interview process, I actually figured out that sales and trading was a way better fit for me personally. By the way, unrelated, I did not know that you were more interested in investment banking. So Initially, you know, I had a at JP Morgan, I'll tell you that, I mean, this is not for another time, but like I got a full-time offer at JP Morgan and my parents took me to the 21 club for my 21st birthday. And they somehow found out that I was doing that, tracked us down and had like the head chef deliver like a Holy fancy shit. bottle of champagne to our table with a handwritten note. That was for banking? The head of the banking division. Yeah. Wow. At, at JP Morgan saying, we want you to come work for us. And I turned down the offer. Wow. To go work at Lehman. Know. To work at Lehman yeah. in sales mm-hmm. and trading. That's mm-hmm. so crazy. Yeah. But again, I didn't know that. Well, again, because everyone was like, listen, if you're a dummy and you don't know anything about math or markets. But you're not a you dummy. You should go into it. No, but I mean, I was an English major, right? I don't care. <laughs> you're smart. <laughs> but they were like, they were like you, don't, you don't have any interest in markets. You don't know anything about the markets. You don't like trading. You don't like equities. You don't like bonds. You don't know anything mm-hmm. about this stuff. Go learn about companies. And there's a story, right? right. Like, that's how it was pitched to me. And, but then I was like, but there's a story that requires me to be at work until 2 a.m. <laughs> And I'm not talking to the companies. I'm sitting in a cubicle alone. Like, right. this sucks. Interesting. Okay, sorry. But yeah. We'll get into how you can use the interview process to help you figure things out, both in terms of, do you want to be in investment banking or sales and trading? And do you like the people? You know, after I submitted my resume everywhere across the street, I mean, I was like carpet bombing, okay? Now, I'd be offered an interview at one firm in the investment banking division and then one firm in sales and trading, or sometimes, you know, at another firm at both divisions, right? Now, some banks may discourage you from applying to both divisions, but I personally found, as someone who had zero background or experience in finance whatsoever, I just yeah. wanted to keep my options as open as possible, right? I mean, let's face yeah. it, I was just so happy to even have the chance to interview for the job and not be yeah. rejected outright yep. on the basis of the fact that my resume certainly didn't look like someone who'd been preparing for their whole <laughs> academic career to go into finance. Right. I was just ready to take whatever I could get. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I remember when I applied wondering if I would get penalized for applying to both divisions. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, the answer was no, especially yeah. as long as you nail the interview. <laughs> However, yeah. it's important to note that the people interviewing you will probably talk to each other across divisions, 100%. especially if you're interviewing in college or business school coming from what's called like a target school. Yeah, I guess you should back up and set the stage here. Yeah. So most banks are recruiting in undergraduate and business schools in the 
fall. Yep. You often have alums who come mm-hmm. back to conduct interviews on campus for first rounds, and we'll get into the different rounds in a bit. Yep. But they usually know each other and are friendly, and they're going out to the college bars or the eating clubs together mm-hmm. on campus that evening. I mean, and if you're like me, they end up staying out way too late and <laughs> missing the last train back to New York City and mm-hmm. finding some... <laughs> Poor sorority sister to crash with. And so look, they probably will talk to each other, which isn't actually always a bad thing. It means if there is a good candidate, they will maybe fight over you. But if you make a huge blunder in an interview, they will talk. And I actually know this from personal experience, which I'll get to in just a bit. But (laughs) because the jobs are so different, if you interview for both, you do have to be prepared to demonstrate different skills and have a story about why the particular job that you're interviewing for is what you want. This brings me to say, if you're planning on interviewing and haven't listened to episodes four, five, and six, where we kind of journey through the different divisions of the bank and touch on what the work and overall lifestyle are like, it's a good idea to go back and listen to those as you start to strengthen your interview game. Not only will this help you focus your efforts if you decide to just interview for one or the other, Mm -hmm. but having a good working understanding of the job itself and how it fits into the picture of the whole bank, that's actually going to be a huge asset to you in any interview and help you stand out. I mean, you might even very well get asked the question, what does an investment banker do? Mm -hmm. Or what does a salesperson or a trader do? And so if you don't have a good working definition in layman's terms, I can tell you that interview is probably not going to go all that well. Yeah. And Kristen, just like you, I have plenty of stories to share about interviews that I utterly bombed. Okay. But to start from the beginning, before you ever get to your interview, you will have prepared and submitted your resume. And we're actually planning to do a whole episode devoted to resume building down the line in the future. Yep. We cannot stress enough the importance of having a concise and well-crafted resume that tells the story of your path to Wall Street. Meaning Mm -hmm. if you aren't studying finance or you don't go to a school with a business program, then you Mm -hmm. should be in some kind of club that relates. Say like, an investment club or Uh demonstrate that you've taken a corporate valuation or a financial modeling workshop on campus. Mm -hmm. A decent GPA is also probably going to be a prerequisite. Not Mm -hmm. always though. I remember actually I had to submit a transcript in addition to my resume when I was applying for certain places. Yeah. It it could have also just been because the school that I went to, you could take all of your classes pass fail. So that may be part of why, but uh, we're starting this episode with the assumption that you have nailed your resume and have already landed the interview. Actually, that was one of my jobs at every bank I worked at, literally scanning through the huge book of resumes from college and business school students every year who were applying for internships. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be hundreds from one school alone, which is why it's so important that your resume stand out for you to even make it to the interview. Right. And so here you are. You have finally got your chance to do your first interview. And depending on a number of factors, this interview could occur at a number of different locations. Mm -hmm. It might be on your turf. So in other words, like we mentioned earlier, if you are applying from one of those schools where the banks heavily recruit, alumni interviewers will travel for a day and come and hold interviews at your college career service office, maybe in a classroom or somewhere on campus. Mm -hmm. Or if you live in a location that's off the beaten path, a firm can't get a critical mass of alumni to Mm -hmm. step off the desk for the day. Well, some of those interviews might occur as a phone or a Zoom call. So you probably Mm -hmm. won't have the first round at the company offices, I guess it's possible, but mm. typically you're going to have to make it through the first round vetting process before the firm devotes the time and the resources to bring you in. And remember, the format of this first round interview will also differ based on a couple of things, right? 
first your entry point into the bank. So mm-hmm. are you coming in as an analyst or an associate? Yep. The number of spots that they have. Yep. And, and also whether you are applying during the normal recruiting cycle for internships and full-time positions, or yeah. are you an off-cycle job applicant? Yeah. And actually there's even some schools like Dartmouth has these weird winter programs. Oh, and yeah, because so they have a weird semester schedule. Yeah. Right. yeah. Sorry, no offense to Dartmouth. I'm not saying you're weird. No, just, no, no, it has no. The... It's just different from a <laughs> yeah. lot of the other schools. Yeah. Their semesters um, are all different. Otherwise, right, assuming you're just coming in during the normal cycle, you're probably going to have your first interview right off the bat with someone who is typically an alum from your school. And this person is probably in a real P&L generating seat at the firm, right? It's not just someone from, (laughs) that's right. It's not just someone from HR. My first round interviews were all held on campus at my college with alums. And those alums ranged from everywhere from first year analysts all the way up to managing directors, you know, who'd been working at the firm for well over a decade at that point. Yeah. Was it the same for you, Kristen? Yeah. So at my college, I guess most of the first round interviews were held on campus. So at the Career Services Center or there was a local hotel that was nearby. Mm -hmm. And then once you got through the first round, I think second rounds were sometimes on campus too. It it depended on the bank and everything. Mm -hmm. But then if they liked you, then they would bring you in for a super day. Oh, that's actually a good term that we should explain. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So super day, for those of you who have never heard that before, it is basically a day where the bank pays for your train or your airfare. To uh, wait, have you hang come on, travel? hang on. Mm-hmm. No one paid for my train. Really? Not that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Well, sucks to be you. <laughs> but no, so, yeah, they would bring you in with maybe like a hundred other candidates to their headquarters and put you up in a hotel. And then you'd- I, I had know, no least... hotel either. They were like, well, find your way maybe. here and then go home. <laughs> well, probably because you were like nearby in New Jersey. That's, that's true. I was only an hour long train. Yeah. Anyway. So I think that's probably why. Whereas you can't, I mean, I guess you could do a day trip from, from Rhode Island, but- Man, you were fancy. They were I know, really courting super you. super fancy. <laughs> but no, so they would bring you in and you'd have these six interviews and maybe more with people of mm-hmm. all levels. And that is your final round. And it's intense. Mm-hmm. And I think I've spoken about this in the past about how my final rounds like never went that well my senior year because my didn't my resume didn't back up the story that I wanted to work on Wall Street. But well, let's we can, dance we can, over your yeah. failed interview attempts for a second. Okay, well, we'll get back to yeah, them, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but tell us about your interview for a full time position after you'd had then because like spoiler alert guys, Kristen didn't get the job her senior year. So she went back and did a fifth year, right? Mm -hmm. And got her master's. So yeah, tell us about your experience interviewing for that full-time job after you'd had your experience working in Providence to prove that you did want to be in finance. Yeah. By the time I came through unsuccessfully, I had uh, figured out the formula, so to speak. And so I did get a job offer on the spot at the end of my first super day. So that was, was, yay. Well done. (laughs) Okay. But what do you mean by formula? All right. So first, you must be able to answer the question, Walk me through your resume Mm. and your answer must demonstrate how what you've done has led you to wanting the exact job that you are interviewing for. And so for me, I had a story about how I stayed at Brown for an extra year. I took three extra classes in economics, by the way, bringing my total to five as a second semester senior, which is crazy. You had a good time in college. (laughs) (laughs) And got a job at a Providence-based finance internship. Actually, true story. I almost wanted to drop that fifth class because I- Wanted to go. Yeah, I know, but it was too far into it because I wanted to go out to, it's called Fishco, this one bar on Wednesday night. I went and it was to like Fishco the night. with you. You did. Oh, I forgot about that. I didn't want to study for this exam. I could have tried to fail because failing a class means that it just doesn't appear. This is the thing with oh. Brown. It's you get A, B, C, or no credit. So if you get no credit, it just disappears. It just but disappears. If you end up getting a C, it shows up as a C. 
Oh, I see. So you either tank it or you yes. do really. Oh. So I wanted to tank it and just not show up, but it would have appeared then as a C. And I was like, well, I can't have that happen. So yeah, I, we had a couple, you had the option yeah. to do a couple of PDFs over yeah. the course of the four years. So it's pass D or fail. Yeah. Um, I actually still have nightmares about one of the PDFs <laughs> that I took. It was a civil engineering class, which was about bridges. And I don't remember anything about that class. <laughs> I, I, think I hallucinated that class altogether because yeah. I have no recollection of showing up to more than one lecture. I yep. never remember taking a test <laughs> and I definitely passed, but that's the one that still gives me those, you know, how everyone yep. has those dreams yeah. about like, yeah. Oh, you wake up for the test and you didn't study. Yeah. I have yeah. dreams that I just never took the test yeah. and they're like, you're going to get a D or an F yeah. on your yeah. transcript. Oh no. With Brown, you could have taken all classes. They call it SNC. So it's satisfactory or no credit. It just goes away. So you could, uh, and by the way, you could have all S's and then take one class to get an A and then say you have a 4.0. So that's why I think they also wanted us to send our, our transcript. Your transcript. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Make sure now. that you had like real grades. So <laughs> well, that's too funny. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that all makes sense that you then took that fifth year and that yeah. finance internship, yeah. right? I mean, that's the same thing I mm-hmm. did with like my mm-hmm. summer traveling around the country for business today, basically selling magazine subscriptions. I made it yep. sound like I was like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back to our formula. Second, you have to land the fit part of the interview. And so in other words, you must demonstrate certain characteristics that the bank values. Mm-hmm. So integrity and leadership and yeah. teamwork. So have a canned story from your life, mm-hmm. but make it seem like you just came up with it on the spot. <laughs> right. And so you wanted to demonstrate the characteristics that the bank is looking for, but you want to work it into a question they ask. So I remember having answers about things like, it was sort of done. Oh, I played in an orchestra and that showed teamwork. It was a super okay. stretch, but it yeah. worked. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> no, but you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, those kind of things, right? And yeah. the bonus is, 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 you know, you kind of get to like humble brag about yep. being good at something else and having yeah. diverse interests, right? Exactly. While proving that you're yep. qualified to do the kind of work that you're being hired to do. Exactly. That was the reason for that particular canned mm-hmm. uh, story. But mm-hmm. the third thing I'd say is you have to have the technicals down. And those technicals will vary depending if you're applying for banking or sales and trading jobs. Mm-hmm. So banking is going to be much more focused on valuing companies and deals. Right. And Whereas then, sales and trading, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to demonstrate the ability to think quickly on your feet by, say, mm-hmm. answering brain teasers, right? Yes, yes. Oh, and you have to be following the markets, of course. I should oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, I remember to this day what the Fed funds rate was when I applied to jobs like a million years ago. It was 5.25%. And, and I remember this. I know. Sorry, Jen. I no, got you're it. This okay. is the, I'm, I'm going to speak you. like a bond trader eventually. This into your head. That's I right. know. But I do remember the reason, sorry, I remember this is because someone gave me the like hot tip that I'd be asked that question in a fixed income interview. Oh, and so, so I have it cheated. seared into my brain. You well, cheated. I didn't cheat it. I just knew it. No, I, dude, for purposes of full disclosure, okay, I was in the same boat. I had done virtually zero preparation for the interview process and ended up having to just figure it out as I went. So you're smart that you got some like hot tips from people. Before <laughs> any of my interviews, all I had done was like very, I think I Googled the banks that I was interviewing for. Okay. And at the time there was this book, maybe it was online too. It was called The Vault. Do you remember yeah. that? And that was I like do, the yeah. standard go-to for I had. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I had those. I, I remember the vault. I remember uh, yeah, the, I didn't yeah. buy the books. I think I basically like skimmed through a few articles online and took the Cliff Notes <laughs> version, right? But also, what I did is I talked to some of the college seniors I knew yeah. to get an idea of what to expect. And and what they told me is that I should know something specific about the company I was applying for, not just my yeah. Google search of yes. you know what is Goldman Sachs. Yeah, they did give me the heads up that I might be asked some brain teasers, and they told me that I should be able to talk about a specific stock I liked, which is absolutely 
absolutely absurd advice, by the way. Do not try to do that unless you actually know yeah. and have studied a specific mm-hmm. stock and are prepared to answer some pretty rigorous questions about it. They also said that I should be able to talk to one or two news stories that were yep. going on in the Wall Street Journal at the time. I remember reading the Wall Street Journal or trying to read it all the time back in mm-hmm. college. And mm-hmm. I swear, like 90% of it was over my head because I didn't know the damn jargon. So. You guys are so lucky to have us. <laughs> that is what we're here for. Um, but you also mentioned the brain teasers. And so those are super important for sales and trading. And I was lucky because I actually knew one of them that was given to me. And the second I was able to figure out on the spot. So yay. Wait, so you really are a cheater. You'd already heard the brain teaser No, I mean, it's all fair in investment banking interviews and more. (laughs) It's all good. No, you were smart to prepare as much as you did. I mean, walking into my interviews, I barely even understood what a stock was. I mean, just like you, I read the Wall Street Journal, Mm -hmm. but I was way more interested in global sociopolitical events than I was in whatever the latest corporate acquisition was. And I certainly had zero understanding of the fixed income markets. I basically Googled what is the Fed and asked my dad, what the difference between a stock and a bond was from the taxi on my way to the interview. I was the poster (laughs) child for what not to do. I mean, if it helps, I was asked who Alan Greenspan was in one of my final round investment banking interviews, and I had no idea. And for those of you who don't know, because this is from like 20 years ago, but this is ancient um, history. This he was the chairman of the Fed at the time. And so he was actually a really big deal. And not only was he the chairman of the Fed, he had been doing that job for a very long time. So it's not like he had just gotten the job. No, he was was doing that for for years. And uh, Mm -hmm. needless to say, I didn't get that job offer. I know, Jen, you actually did. So uh, what did you do? (laughs) Multiple job offers. And that was the crazy part. I just got really freaking lucky that I was able to think fast on my feet, which is, you know, to a large extent, what your interviewers will be looking for, especially in sales and trading. I was going to just say, I mean, that's exactly what you need to be able to do in sales and trading. So it Mm -hmm. makes complete sense that you then got a job in sales. I mean, so listen, it it was also a function of the kind of candidate I made myself out to be. Okay. I spent the first part of every interview talking through my resume. And like you said, crafting a story about how my convoluted path was really all leading me to this moment. Okay. So I mean, The stuff that I was trying to fit into that narrative, I'd be like, okay, my family vacation in Nantucket where I worked for an artist who paid me in cookies that that nurtured an interest in value and exchanges or like my time. Like my orchestra. Yeah, Yeah, like your orchestra orchestra. Like I'm a team player because. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I even told them that my experience cold calling executives made me realize I had a talent for building client relationships and I was eager to explore the bigger impact I could have in a client facing role at the bank. I know this sounds like a lot of BS guys, but it wasn't not true. (laughs) I was really good at adapting my real life experience to fit that narrative. And it was close enough to Wall Street without being the same recycled garbage that all of my competition was spitting out. So it worked. And the way that you quote unquote spun up all that garbage, it did paint a clear picture of you being successful in sales. And so we covered this earlier, but walking through your resume, I feel like you nailed that part. I guess so. Yeah. And that was the easy part because it was storytelling and sales, two things that I guess I'm naturally somewhat decent at. English major, so makes complete mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. But so what else do you think helped you ultimately get the job? You know, I really worked to build a personal connection with my interviewer, asking them questions about what got them into the business and what they liked about yeah. it or what the biggest challenges were, all the while trying to keep it kind of deeply personal and trying to forge yeah. somewhat of a meaningful connection with them. 
it's funny. That was another top tip I was given was Mm -hmm. get the interviewer talking about themselves as much as possible. And it's actually for two reasons. So number one, Mm -hmm. the more they talk, the better they will think the interview went. People like talking about themselves. Oh yeah, that's true. That is so true. (laughs) And then number two, the less chance you have to get in trouble and mention something that then they're going to grill you on. Oh yeah, yeah, them talking more. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And listen, when I said building connection, by the way, I mean, not just like, oh, you like tacos? Me too. Mm -hmm. But trying to help that interviewer genuinely see something they could relate to in me that would help them envision spending 12 hours a day, five Mm -hmm. days a week, elbow to elbow with me. And okay, so then once I'd gotten my interview on board with like the concept of taking a chance on a kid like me, and my hit rate, (laughs) by the way, was only about 50%. I don't want to make it sound like I was wooing all these people so successfully. (laughs) But then most interviewers started asking more technical questions. That's my favorite part. That's my specialty. (laughs) That's my worst nightmare. Okay. But the good news is, is that since I was very upfront about my lack of experience in anything directly related to Wall Street, they couldn't really justify asking me to explain how to build a discounted cash flow model or like bootstrap a curve in front of them. They would have just seemed like a total jerk. And let me be very clear. That wasn't my specialty back when I was interviewing. That's my specialty Uh, now. After I've been doing it for a long time. It was not (laughs) back then. The only technical question I was asked was, how do you value a company? Sorry, I'm interrupting you. (laughs) No, no, no. You're fine. But when you don't have that technical background at all, that's where those proxy questions like brain teasers come into play in interviews. Yeah, especially for like the sales and trading. The, The point of those, by the way, is not necessarily for you to get the right answer every time, but Mm -hmm. to talk through your approach to solving the problem logically without getting flustered or bogged down in some unimportant detail. You want to be able to try to work them through your logic. And Jen, let me actually ask you the one that I got and see if you can get it. Oh, no, you're going to make me do it. You can't even do arithmetic on the air. You're going to make me do a brain teaser? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so you have a lily pad. We're editing this out if I don't get it. All right, that's Wait, fine. Say it again. And the, you have a lily pad in a pond, mm-hmm. and the lily pad is doubling in size every minute. Now, after 60 minutes, it fills the entire pond. So, how much of the pond is filled after 58 minutes? Oh, a quarter. Or should I say in your terms, 0.25%. No, I totally ha, 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 that. You're so funny. <laughs> yeah. One fourth. Yeah. <laughs> One fourth, sorry. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. Two eights. Dude, I literally think that's the like maybe the second brain teaser I've ever gotten right. I think I well, only got nice. one in all of my interviews. Actually, I mm-hmm. still remember it to this day because it was like my crowning intellectual achievement. How about this? I'll um, we'll, we'll post some of these on our social media and see if you can yeah. solve them. I love that idea. I love brain teasers. Aside from that, so what are some of the other technical questions that you got asked? You know, I got asked a lot of probability-based questions, and I'm pretty sure I got every single one of those wrong. I hate probability problems, okay? In fact, I have like a personal (laughs) vendetta against them. I argue about this all the time with my husband. And by the way, this makes it sound like we fight a lot. (laughs) About like weird technical stuff. I know, like again, about super nerdy stuff. Um, This whole premise that if you have three kids and all three are or girls. Um, <clears throat> not that I know anyone <laughs> like that. They're, like The idea that there is some different statistical probability that the fourth kid will be a girl and it, like other than 50-50, I just don't agree. Okay. But so, this yeah. is why I'd make a terrible trader. Well, no, you were telling me about this argument and I actually just think you misunderstood the question. So the issue is independently with each kid, your chance of a girl or a boy is 50-50. So it's actually, it's 51-49. I guess the chance of a boy is slightly higher, except during times of stress, people tend to have more girls. Yeah. It's like a really weird little wrinkle. You know so much Mm -hmm. about all this genetic stuff. It's so cool. That's why I was like a biomed engineering major. I like the bio stuff. That's right. That's right. You never thought you'd be able to use your major and here you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> on a podcast about finance. I know. But no, so if you meet someone, however, who has, say, like two kids and they tell you one of those kids is a girl. So the kids uh-huh. are already born. They're already there. Yeah. And okay. the chance that the other child is also a girl is not 50-50. So that's where the wrinkle comes in. You are told that you have one child that is a girl and there's already two kids that have been born. And the reason is that if you have two kids, you could either have girl, 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 boy, boy, girl, and boy, boy. If you know one is a girl, it gets rid of boy, boy. And so then you have... Anyway, I, I won't get into all the probability. We can maybe do something with this in social media I land. I but... suck at this stuff, guys. I mean, this is going <laughs> straight over my head in case you can't tell. I'll draw you but... a diagram. I'll draw you a Dude, diagram. Dude, honestly, this is what... Okay, so the classic interview incident that I had was I got through the whole interview without being asked one single technical question. Absolute miracle. We're all like high-fiving and shaking hands at the end. And I literally said to the guys... I was like, wow, this was so great. Like, <laughs> thank you so much. I was super <laughs> nervous that you were going to ask me, I don't know, how many ping pong balls you could fit inside a 747 or something crazy like that. And Kristen, it was like a, like a record screech <laughs> to a halt. And the guy turns to me, totally deadpan, and says, okay, well, how many could you fit? And I just, oh I mean, I died. I was so flustered, fumbling around, trying to figure it out. I was like, is it two-thirds of pie? Or like, what the hell is the volume of the cylinder? I fell apart. I mean, it was awful, actually. I turned what was probably a pretty solid offer into an outright rejection with my own stupidity. (laughs) Makes me feel a little better about that uh, Alan Greenspan flub. But uh, what was the what was the bank? Uh, It is a bank that is based in Europe that was recently acquired by another bank based in the same country. Um, and if you guys don't know, then that's fine. It'll be our little secret. And the, for those of you who that's are listening, so funny. you can probably figure it out. So back to our interview skills. Um, right. Sorry. And so again, yeah. just if you needed a takeaway from that little horror story I just told you, <laughs> it's never give anyone an opening to ask you a technical question or a question that you don't know the answer to yes. if you don't have yes. to. Do not give any openings to anything that you don't feel confident in. With banking, things have gotten a lot more competitive since when I went through interviews. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like with the whole college applications too. It's like I look at oh colleges and the acceptance rate's like 1%. It was a lot I would never when get I got into college in. today. Yeah, no, Not a single no me neither. Mm-mm. So, but um, I swear the only technical question that I was asked in my banking interview was how can you value a company, which spoiler mm-hmm. is public comps, acquisition comps, a DCF. And we do have okay. some videos on this. Yeah, you just spoke at a mile a minute. But guys, like this is what's all over our social media. And actually, Kristen, your explainer on that, that's one of our only videos that's like gone viral. So you guys need to help (laughs) us out and actually watch these things. It's funny because I'm actually really proud of some of the ones that don't do well. But uh, I feel like the higher the production quality, the worse they do. But in general... In general, you definitely should be able to answer technical questions. So some of the key terms- Especially in IBD, right? In IBD, yes, in IBD. In banking Mm -hmm. in particular, you definitely should be able to answer technical questions. And Mm -hmm. so some of the key terms that you should be fluent in at the analyst level, which by the way, just means like you're coming out of undergrad is, let's actually, I'll list them out. We're not going to get into them here, but we've got number one. So equity versus enterprise value, although to make it extra fun, the different banks can sometimes use different terms for enterprise value. So of course, that's fine. Number two, you should be able to walk through the three financial statements. So income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow statement. Mm-hmm. Number three, you should be able to explain the various valuation methodologies for valuing a company. That's the one that I got. And mm-hmm. four, speak to EBITDA and EBITDA. And mm-hmm. then finally, you probably want to be able to explain at a high level, what is a merger and what is a leverage buyout? And so, again, for everyone lot. listening, we are definitely 
definitely not unpacking those concepts today. Then in sales and trading, like Jen said earlier, so you need to know some of the basic trends in the market and maybe don't just read the Wall Street Journal the morning of your interview. And instead, you probably want to be disciplined about reading the financial section every day for a month. There's actually this really great section I like called Heard on the Street, and it Mm. does sort of teach and explain some of these concepts in a little bit of a more layman's terms type of a way. Oh, you know what Um, else is really good is Bloomberg mm -hmm. Business Week. I really like that magazine. I Mm -hmm. think that that is really accessible too, aside from just the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yeah. And also probably familiarize yourself with some of the basic concepts that are the core of each division. So like the Federal Reserve, for example, if you're considering fixed income, know what maybe a PE ratio is if you're interviewing for equities. And word to the wise, by the way, guys, the Fed, which is what we've been talking about a lot here, that's what we call the Federal Reserve for short, as Kristen just said. It's not an acronym. You yeah. don't need to capitalize it. It's a yeah, huge I remember you said this last line. week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I know. <laughs> you mentioned it, it all the time. Week. Oh my gosh, I need to stop beating a dead horse here. Okay. No, it's okay. I mean, well, everything I was, I was, else in finance is an acronym, but not this one. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So, yeah. But guys, I, I just did a video on what happened with First Republic Bank this week. It's the second largest commercial bank failure of all time yeah. behind Washington Mutual. So, in it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely something you'd be asked yeah. about if you were interviewing for a job in finance this week, okay? Yes. To see if you understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, if you're feeling kind of clueless and you're afraid to ask people because you think <laughs> you'll sound dumb, that's what we're here for. Go watch our little five-minute explainer on that. I'm so proud of you, Jen, for finally putting up a long video. I know you were nervous about that, but it was was very, honestly, it was helpful for me. Similarly, if you're interviewing for IBD, you might want to focus on recent deals. So Mm. maybe have a recent merger or a leveraged buyout you can speak to. And just like Jen said, you probably should also know about these bank failures, be able to speak to, I don't know, like UBS acquiring Credit Suisse or Microsoft's bid for Activision, which by the way is probably probably not going to go through because of the regulators, but it is still a big deal. So, and, you and you don't have to be an expert when you're talking about these things. Very few people starting yeah. in their career are. That is okay. Yes. But I will say this. If you are making a representation on your resume yeah. that this is something you're passionate about, yep. you'd better be able to demonstrate a yes. working knowledge of it and be able to graciously show <laughs> where you're eager to learn more, aka acknowledge what you don't know. Right. And by the way, if you are someone who is not an expert in any of these concepts, you'd better be able to compensate tenfold by thinking fast on your feet. So kind of like what you did, Jen, (laughs) and selling your eagerness to learn and your capacity to learn. Mm -hmm. Because by the way, they don't expect you to know all this stuff. This is what they have training for. That's but exactly you need right. to have interest and you need to show that you're eager to learn. Mm-hmm. So. And, and I mean, listen, the reality is no matter what role you're looking for on Wall Street, you need to be able to demonstrate a comfort with math. Actually, yes. this is uh, another like do as we say, not as we do story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this harkens back to a question you asked earlier, Kristen, about how did I land the job? Um, <laughs> I want to tell you the story of my super day uh, at one firm my junior year. Like you said earlier, once you make it past your first round interviews, you get invited to this super day where you have anywhere from four to eight interviews back to back to back with people from all different roles within the firm who are all likely to evaluate you based on how well you'd fit in a role like theirs or how well they think you would do interacting with them on a day-to-day basis. It is so exhausting. It's just an adrenaline pumping experience. Okay. So I will never forget after a few interviews, I found myself face-to-face with this guy who was the then head of all of North American sales at this particular firm. And this guy, he was one of those guys, Kristen, he just had phenomenal 
presence. He was mm-hmm. really magnetic, very yeah. like sarcastic, you know, like a true sales guy. Yeah, a true sales, a guy. Tried, true sales mm-hmm. guy. Exactly. Yep. And listen, by this point, I was pretty sure I wanted to be in a sales role to some extent. So effectively, this is like in my dream world, my future boss's boss's yeah. boss. And listen, within a few seconds, he was not giving me the vibe that he was super <laughs> impressed with me. Okay. So I rolled up my sleeves and I like got into it with him trying to win him over with my charm and my story, all that stuff. I told you that BS on my resume earlier. Right. And finally he just like looks over his glasses at me. Okay. And goes, what's 3% of 60. Now remember I hadn't done any mental math that was more complicated than like you know, calculating the tip on a bar tab since high school at this point, right? So I had zero facility in knocking zeros off of things or Mm -hmm. thinking through shortcuts. And by the way, this is way before all this crazy math that they teach kids these days, Russian or Singapore math or whatever it is. I don't know what they're doing. But yeah, so he goes, what's 3% of 60? And I just blurted out five. (laughs) And he raises an eyebrow. He goes, that sounds like like, Christian math. Oh my God, I know. And he was like, he was like, what? Yep. Uh, no. How did you even come up with that? And I jump in. I was like, two. And he's like, she is. Oh my God, lady. It's, it's 1.8. I'll explain <laughs> to you how you can figure it out quickly. But like, what on earth are you doing? And I swear to God, I looked at him straight in the eye and I go, well, uh, <clears throat> I figured it was more important to be confident than it was to be right. Oh my God, Jen. What did he say? <laughs> so like, he was so taken aback that he just like laughed and he kindly walked me through the problem. <laughs> and by the way, like I said, now I am the queen of knocking right. zeros off of things. I had it beaten into my head day after day after day my first year at the bank but yeah he gave me a big old handshake and a smile and he like went on to the next candidate right and after an otherwise great day of interviews I was like well I'm toast right this is just like yeah. my 747 interview yeah so anyways, there were like 25 or 30 candidates there from various schools for that yeah. same day yeah and once our interviews were over they start like corralling everyone towards yep. the elevators to go check out and head back to school and buy yep. you right or go pay for your train ticket <laughs> <laughs> And the HR lady who was running the super day, she scurries over and she grabs me and one other guy. And she was like, hey, uh, can you please come back to the trading floor for a second? And I was like, oh, God, I screwed something up. Why are they bringing me back there? You know, I left my keys or whatever. They brought us back right up to that same guy, the head of North American sales. And he shook our hands and he goes, congratulations. You are the only two candidates from today's Mm -hmm. super day that we would like to extend an offer to. Nice. I mean, I'm surprised that they gave you the offer after the confidence. It was more the not saying, hey, I don't know. That's what they tell you these days you're they, supposed to do. Right. <laughs> you're supposed to just show them how you think calmly under pressure, not yes. how you're a total psychopath just blurting out answers. No. But yeah, I, honestly, I think it was it was more about how I recovered from just a total fumble yeah. and, and held my cool than right. it was about clearly demonstrating any mental math capability. Yeah. You know what's funny? That was actually exactly the same format that I was given the job offer. I think it was at the same firm. It's the same firm. Yeah. (laughs) They have this whole shtick where they They take you you into the trading floor. floor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And they try to corner you into signing on the spot. Yep. Um, Yep. Okay. So the motto of this podcast has been consistently (laughs) to do as we say, not as we do, and also know how to do basic math, which neither of us has really shown that as our strong (laughs) suit. I will Um, say I'm very good at like big picture stuff. And this is why I was good at engineering in college because I. I would understand how to do everything and like these complex problems. And then in the show your workspace, it would be like one plus one is three, but I do the whole problem, right? The teachers would be like, well, partial credit. So right. And listen, the point of this story and all of our other ridiculous cautionary tales, right. it 
It's not, hey, I pulled a rabbit out of a hat and magically saved this interview from the brink of catastrophe with a Hail Mary. Right. The point is you can't just thump your way through this job in perpetuity. Even yeah. if it's algebra, mm-hmm. you do need to be very comfortable with working with numbers in this role. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. the sooner you can do that and the more you can do to prepare yourself on the math front in advance. So practicing this stuff, if you're thinking Mm -hmm. about interviewing for one of these roles, the more successful your interviews are going to be. Yeah. Like we said earlier, at at the end of the day, these are the people that are evaluating whether or not they want to spend all day elbow to elbow with you. And I would say the reverse as well, right? Do you want to spend all day elbow to elbow with them? Yes. Because so much of banking and sales and trading, by the way, is similar to a military structure. Because when the rubber hits the road, people can react in an orderly and efficient way to tackle huge problems. Like saying that, whatever, three times times six is uh, five. So you have to be able to demonstrate in an interview that you will contribute positively to the team and be reliable and consistent and pull under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was something that I was always trying to suss out above all when I was on the other side of the interviewing (laughs) process. Could I stand sitting next to you all day, every day for a year? And and by the way, not just that, but what if I asked you to do something and you didn't know how to do it? Okay. Are you going to lie to me and try to brush it under the rug? Okay. Because doing that could cost the firm or a client millions Mm -hmm. of dollars, which like now makes me question why they even hired me in the first place. <laughs> also, you know, what if you make a mistake, right? Are you going to go immediately call a grown up and let them know so they can fix it? Or are you going to try to cover it up, which almost inevitably, by the way, is going to cause a much more serious issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it's not life or death like the military, but right. it is a similar chain of command to, I think I said this in our other episode, right? Like a boat, you need to be able to follow orders and demonstrate accountability. You have to, above all, display personal integrity so that you know when you're in your head. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the interviews that we've been talking about are our experiences from interviewing more on cycle. So the fall recruiting timeline. Now, this is typically for an analyst or summer associate role. And then if all goes well, you hope to get a full-time offer at the end. And by the way, most of these firms will tell you that it's your offer to lose. Okay. The assumption is that they want to hire everyone from their summer programs for full-time jobs after they graduate. And it's Mm -hmm. up to you not to screw it up. And we will, I think, Kristen, we'll talk about the internship itself in more detail in another episode. But the bottom line is, most people are hoping to only go through this interview process once. Right. However, if you don't get a full-time offer or you were like me and you never got an internship in the first place, then I didn't have that experience. And so I couldn't get the job offer then. Mm -hmm. You'll be interviewing for full-time jobs. And the problem is there's just way fewer openings because most of those openings are taken by the people that came through the internship program. Or in my case, by the way, I had the summer internship, but Mm -hmm. didn't get the full-time job offer I wanted. Mm -hmm. So the fall of my senior year, I was still interviewing for full-time positions. Right. And if you are in the position that Jen was, you will not only need to walk through your resume, but also your prior experience. Mm -hmm. And so if that experience was in banking, you might have to be able to talk through a deal that you worked on. The good news, though, is you also might be able to leverage the full-time offer at one bank into an offer at another. And the woman that I was given my offer with on the spot, the super day that I had, Mm -hmm. she had a job offer at Bear Stearns, RIP, that she then turned, yeah, she turned into to a sales and trading offer at Morgan Stanley. Anyway, shout out Kira, my old roommate. (laughs) (laughs) And look, you also might be someone who is leveraging your internship for a full-time job offer, not in banking, 
but right. maybe in another role, say yeah. like a private equity firm or a hedge fund. Actually, private equity, you'll probably need to do a lot of what we talked about more in like the investment banking side. So mm-hmm. the technicals, the fit questions, like walk me through the resume, all that. But you also will then need to probably be able to prepare a leverage buyout model on the spot. Mm-hmm. And then with hedge funds, a lot of times like this will be more if you've had like a two-year program. Mm-hmm. Sometimes funds will interview out of undergrad. The role might be a little different, but there's those can get really technical. And so you probably will be asked to do a case where you are sent financials. You have to build an investment thesis for a potential investment. It gets it gets very in the weeds. Like right. you need or to have the technicals down. I'm assuming you're talking about an equity hedge fund, right? If you're interviewing for a Long macro short, hedge yeah. fund, yeah, yeah, you probably will be asked to put together a mock portfolio of investments, mm. right? And discuss your market view right. that shaped that portfolio. Yes. Why did you select those assets? Did you yep. think they were rich, cheap, blah, yep. blah, blah? Yep. Yep. Like yep. there's a you've lot got to talk yeah. through, you've got to walk them through sensitivity analyses under different mm-hmm. interest rate regimes, come yeah. up with hedging strategies. If there's yeah. a move you hadn't anticipated, like it's pretty yeah. complex. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many different types of hedge funds. That's a good point out of um, investment banking. It's more of those long, short type funds. And then the, the macro funds, like there's all these different types. We definitely need to do a whole series on different types of hedge funds, but we also did get some questions on our social media, Jen, about transitioning from one type of role, which is like adjacent to the banking industry, but then into banking. Oh yeah. We got those questions like, Hey, I'm a credit analyst at a ratings agency or, you know, Mm -hmm. I work in middle markets and I want to break into institutional sales. A lot of these banking adjacent roles, like you said, and again, just like with us positioning ourselves as an English major and an engineer who had this convoluted path to the street, you're going to want to do that exact same thing. Only you're just going to be crafting a story about how your experience getting your feet wet in this adjacent Mm -hmm. field Mm -hmm. that opened your eyes to the opportunity to level up. The challenge is, is you will be subject to more rigorous interviewing because you're representing that you have some knowledge and they are going to want you to demonstrate that not only are you an expert in whatever the world is that you're coming from, but that you know enough to translate that expertise into hard knowledge that will serve you well in that new role. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and it also, if this is something you absolutely want to do, you want to go into banking, you want to be a trader, whatever it is, that's where going to business school and getting in the recruiting cycle can Mm -hmm. make it a lot easier. So that's something to be aware of. It's obviously a huge investment. So not everyone wants to go to business school, but the easiest paths in are often out of business school. But actually, and not just going back to business school to get into the recruiting cycle, but continuing to really nurture those networking opportunities as they come up organically in your life, whether it be your alumni association with your college, whether it be friends of yours that you haven't talked to. And I know everyone thinks LinkedIn is kind of weird and creepy, (laughs) but these can be great tools. Just finding those advocates and mentors throughout your network Mm -hmm. and leveraging those to transition throughout Wall Street, it's invaluable. I 100% agree. Okay, guys. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we covered today and I'm sure we're going to need to end up doing a follow-up episode because we we definitely got off on some tangents um, Mm -hmm. and we will be doing a specialized Q&A for our listeners on this exact topic, probably as an Instagram live. But in the meantime, please hit us up with all your questions. We're going to try to tackle them in any of our upcoming episodes and you can reach us directly at questions at wallstreetskinny.com. Yeah. And thank you all of you who listened to us, especially if you are not someone who is interested in actually interviewing for any of these things, but uh, we appreciate you. So thank you so much. All right. See you next time. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Wall Street Skinny. We are more than just a podcast. So follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Wall Street Skinny. 
If you're a visual learner, we have content that will help get you up the curve from valuation to Excel to Bond Fundamentals 101. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel where we will be publishing in-depth tutorials on all this and more. 